Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. Hello, we are back with what week are we on right week now? Week five. Week five. So we of have our mini series this week and next week, and then the series is over. We will then be jumping into fun holiday content, our favorite time of year, and a bunch of standalones, and then prepping for Christian to go on maternity leave, which is crazy. Yeah, which is. I crazy. mean, you guys won't know she's on maternity leave because we will still have episodes coming out every single week. But I'm going to be piecing out for a few weeks. Yeah, we'll explain more about the schedule, but we actually are going to take a couple weeks off this year. We say we're going to do that every year. And then we get like this burst of content ideas and energy and just like plow through to We've also January. just figured it out. Obviously, you guys know this. We don't, neither of us do this as our full-time job. So it is like we fit it in. We record every Friday. And just figuring out the lifestyle of that is different. So there are seasons where I think we both just around the holidays, we're visiting family. And so yeah. it's a lot to figure out. But I feel like year two and a half, almost three, we've like gotten into our rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and you guys are. aren't usually listening on the week of Christmas. Anyways, on to the mini series. Back to the mini series. We are discussing a topic today. I think this one in our deconstruction one, which I actually felt confident after we recorded that last week, but these are the ones I'm most nervous about because I am five and a half years into parenting. You're freshly five. I mean, like we are new at this, like we are still learning. And I've always been cautious to speak about things that I'm not an expert in, not an expert, but don't have a lot of life experience with. And I would say, obviously, five years, we don't have a lot of life experience with parenting. So how I want to approach this episode, and I was even praying this on the way here of just being you guys hearing us humbly say we don't have it figured out. We are not saying that our way or view of parenting right this second is superior, or if you hear some things that we say and think like, oh, that's not how I parent at all. Like, we're not saying this is the way that every Christian parent should parent. This is the best way. We are here to offer our insight and how we have processed through this. And I'm sure that if I recorded this episode in five years, my thoughts would be different. So when you hear us, please take that into consideration. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think with any of these topics, I mean, we do like to go there in conversation. But any of these things that we ever cover on going there are really our thoughts. It's what God has like kind of pressed upon our hearts to what are we thinking through? How are we thinking through it? What does the Bible say about that? And so we are okay bringing you all alongside in that. And if those things change over time, obviously, we will catch you up then. But we hope that we're all in process. And we hope this conversation, again, encourages and inspires you to go have it with your spouse and your partner in parenting or your community of people. So we will be covering parenting and all of the things today. I think one of the reasons we got a lot of questions about parenting, like how do I be a good Christian parent? How do I parent biblically? Like parenting's hard. What are some practical things? We just got the gamut. And something that I thought was interesting is that we were brainstorming and prepping for this is I think that you either hear an abundance of like Christian parents who just really are focused on like getting it right, like raising their children in the faith and like so focused on getting it right. Or I think I tend to do this too. We live in a world on social media or just in this more emotionally intelligent age where we're given a lot of options or ideas about how to parent specifically or how to do our marriage or whatever. And so I think that I have fallen sometimes on the side of let me take in what the world says about parenting and like pick a direction to go. Obviously, I think when you are connected with God and walking with him, that influences your decisions or it should. So subconsciously, yes. But I think sometimes we overlook the fact that we should really be seeking what scripture says about parenting, even though there's a lot of new age beliefs on the right and wrong way to discipline, speak to your children, love them, etc. Mm-hmm. I think this topic feels weighty for you and I to talk about because like you already said, we're only five issues years into this. But also, like you said, there's tons of resources about parenting out there. There's a lot of different things that you can go to and read and learn. I mean, you can go to parenting conferences. You can read tons of resources about parenting. There are podcasts devoted just to parenting. And so we know it's a weighty thing. It's a big responsibility. We'll talk about, obviously, what the Bible talks about that. Like, it is a big responsibility. It's something that we are supposed to be challenged in, grow in, have a lot of thoughts and intentionality with. But then I think on the flip side, we can get obsessed with that and think, calling this is the only thing that I should care about. This is, if I have to get it, like, I have to get this right. There is 
no option. I'm in total control of yes. how these and children so I turn think out. It's hard. I wanted to start it off here. We talked a little oh. bit about. Well, I wanted to ask you. I had a question like, to ask you. I was literally about to say, oh. Christian doesn't know I'm going to ask her this. Okay, you okay, ask well, me. You don't know. Well, I was going to say. So you're five and a half years mm-hmm. into this. Prior to having a child. Are we about to ask the same question? Well, like, what would you have said when Emerson was a baby? What was your goal of parenting? This is so funny. My question, I think we can mix the two, was going to be, what did you think through before you became a mom with parenting? And, like, did you read resources? Like, we what was your idea? No, that's so funny. Well, so, you have to answer wait, first. what was then. yours again? So, like, I guess when Emerson was either, like, a very small baby or just, like, prior to becoming a parent, what was your goal of parenting? That you were like, I am a good parent if this happens. Oh, that's so funny because like this shows inside of our brains. I've never once in my life thought like, this is my goal in parenting other than my prayer from day one. And then it filters back to this when I do go on anxious spins about like, is my child okay? Or like, they've been wetting the bed for this long. Like I need to figure this out. My brain always goes back to like, I want them to know and love Jesus. And so I think that the point of that question you're asking, what was it? I'm grateful that I had older women in my life that helped remind me of that. But that should be the goal, I think, of every Christian parent. And then I was going to say beforehand, though, I'll answer my own question and then you should share too. I tend to be a more type A person. And I remember we had gone through a lot of loss with our starting a family. And so honestly, I need to process through that. But that probably plays a lot into how I thought through parenting at that point. Like, I'm grateful. I ended up not being so consumed about like all the right things. I was just so like ready to be a mom that I kind of didn't think through all that. In fact, when I was pregnant originally, I had an older mom friend give me like three or four book recommendations. And I was like the girl that was like reading the books. And I actually stopped halfway through because I was just like, I'm almost stressing myself out before there's even an issue. A lot of people encourage Justin and I, you guys really need to be united in how you're going to discipline because when you're holding that tiny baby, it doesn't seem like a big deal to figure out, but they're going to quickly be a two-year-old telling you no, and you need to be united in that. So I was kind of like consumed by that. And I was like, hey, let's just put the books aside. I'm going to put them in a cabinet. If we get to a place where I'm looking for more direction or more insight, then that's the time for me to pull them out. And I actually recommend that to a lot of my friends when I've had friends text like, what book should I read while I'm pregnant? Maybe that gives you comfort, but I think it's healthy to just kind of say, let me spend time growing in my knowledge of who God is during this time. Let me meditate on God's word and there will be things that come up and then I can specifically seek out resources for that instead of flooding our brains with every different way. Here's the thing. You don't know what your kid's going to be like. You don't know how you and your spouse are going to take on certain roles. And so I think figuring that out a little bit is healthy. And I'm thankful that because of our really late loss, I was just so freed to just be like, God, I don't know who this child that you're going to give me is because adoption, there's nothing genetically connecting them to me. How do you want me to parent this child? Like, what kind of mom do you want me to be? I'm acting like it was like a fantasy land of me just drifting into motherhood perfectly. But I am grateful. My tendencies would have been opposite from that, but God kind of intervened and I started off that way. That is interesting because you and I are similar in that way of like, I'm very obviously type A personality and I've read a few parenting books, but had the same idea. And even to this day, having a five and three year old, I don't read a ton of resources. I ask friends and I ask older moms who I respect and see their parenting. I will seek wisdom from them. But other than that, I really don't do a lot of like, quote unquote, parenting things, because I think it can just be a really deep, dark trap for my mind to be like, oh, I have to do it this way. This is the only way. Again, I'm not saying don't ever seek wisdom. We will talk more about that. Mm -hmm. But I think that's really hard. And Yeah, you and I did that similarly. I mean, and I would say we're both very laid back in terms of moms in general. And I'm really proud. This is one thing I will say confidently about parenting. I'm really proud about how Justin and I have handled newborn stages in our family. Again, I will say like I'm not recovering from labor. So like that is a big perk. And we, because our children are adopted, like both take on a lot of responsibility early on because I'm not breastfeeding. We're able to both like share in a lot of those things. But I would say... I'm proud of the way that we both have been able to be pretty relaxed with the newborn stage in a way of like, we were not 
overly rigid about schedules or overly saying no to things in life because this newborn came in. And that's just our philosophy. Maybe some of you really feel like you have to for a year tuck away and like, I don't know. I think I just see new young moms that are following all the accounts on Instagram who have all the bought apps all downloaded, the, like programs, bought all yep. the programs, read all the courses yeah the they're courses, taking care of baby the like courses. all the things and their mind is so consumed about doing it right that they're missing the purpose and the point of parenting and they're really leaving out God directing their steps in their parenting I think and I will be the first to say I can fall into that but I feel like I'm quickly brought back usually from Justin being like let's just figure it out on our own we don't need to like do it by the book, I guess. And please, please, please hear us in this conversation. Obviously, Samantha said that at the beginning, but we are caveating a lot of what we're saying that like also God created you as yes. a person and as a this specific mother over children that you have in your home and you are called to disciple and grow and develop those humans. And so I think there's a lot of caveats to what we're saying here too, because obviously we do not know. We are five years For into sure. it and also just don't know. And don't personalities know your child. are different. Yeah, yeah well, you know your child, I think think we are just sharing our experiences. And yeah, our we're sharing ours because I actually have one friend that I know it is healthy for her in the way that her mind works with certain anxieties to be more like structured and rigid and have to say no to a lot of things for her and her husband and their baby to like function well in those first few months. And so that's okay too. Yep. And they have figured that out. Yeah. Trial they, and error. For sure. Well, I mean, I think with your first, you're like, this is what I have to do. And then everyone becomes so much more relaxed with their second yeah. to it being like, oh, but I wanted to talk about this because did you have more to answer on that with the questions we were asking each other? Oh, gosh. Well, I feel like mine's kind of a hot take oh, a little bit. Okay, so I'm what? like, we can go there more. If but you want to go there later. Well, we'll expand in how I guess I've thought about it. Okay. Since I would say the exact same thing that going into parenting, I was like, my number one goal is for my children to know and love God. Mm -hmm. And I still would say that is my number one goal. But I also have grown in wisdom to know a lot of awesome Christians and a lot of awesome women and moms that I know who are faithfully pursuing Jesus, some of the most faithful people I know, and their kids don't know and love God. For sure. And so I think I had to really wrestle with that because I'm like, if I'm 50 years old and my child's 25, does that disqualify me as a good mom because my kid doesn't know no. God? Yeah. And I kind of get emotional when I think about that because that was in my mind just kind of like worst case scenario. But I think that is like how God grows me into saying like, I'm not in control that God is sovereign. God has and loves my kid more than I could ever do that. And so my job is to steward that. My job is to point them to Christ. But ultimately, like I'm not in control of that. And I think that's really shifted Andrew and I's perspective a lot because yes, I mean, we can go into this a lot more later, but Again, just like, yeah, we have a role to play in this, but ultimately God's sovereign and he is in control and he loves my kid and he has a plan for them more than I do. For and sure. it's, so it's really shifted. I mean, just the realities of what parenting look like when you think you can do all these things right and there are still problems and there's still hardships. It's really hard. It's overwhelming. Sorry, I didn't get to, oh my to get gosh. emotional. I love that you're emotional. I mean, you took a whole like chunk of what I, I wanted to talk we'll about. We'll talk too. more about and it. And I don't actually think that's a hot take at all when we no. look at scripture because that was my point in that. Like our goal as parents are not to raise in I mean, according to scripture, we're gonna read a bunch and in my also can I say as we're saying this. There are so many days that I am not living out of that. I am not waking up and thinking my number one goal today is to raise children who know and love the Lord. Or I should say point them because like I agree with everything you're saying. Like that is what we're commissioned to do through scripture is to point our kids to know and love Jesus. And we can do that by the way that we love Jesus, like by showing them, by the way we discipline them, by the way that we talk to them about it. We can get into all that. However, a lot of days we get wrapped up into worldly ways of parenting that we don't even realize we're pulled into. But ultimately we go back to that and saying, too, that, yeah, that can be our goal, but that also we know, just like we talked about in the Sharing Our Faith episode, it's like it's not on us fully. We do have duties. We do have callings. That is the most important calling, I believe, but that doesn't mean that it's on us to save our children, and we just really don't have control. I know so many amazing Christian parents, just like you said, that some of their children end up following the Lord and some don't, and I think 
that can be hard for certain parents to process. But like you said, Christian, and I was going to share this more later, but I touched on it already. And I think I'll dive into this a little bit more. I think obviously I've never carried a baby to full term and like raised a child that's biologically connected to me. There's a lot of beauty in adoption, but one thing specifically when people have asked me about this or when I've had the opportunity to share is just that we are told in scripture that children that we carry and bring into this world are not our own. However, they are like the most precious creatures to us. We care more than anything in the world about our children, if you are a human, like most likely. And in our culture, especially, our lives are revolving around how do we protect them and guard them and shield them and honestly keep them close to us. Because it's just as much about us feeling that love and connection to our child than it is them feeling like that, if we really think through it. And something that has happened with adoption I don't feel any less connected or like in love with my children. I have talked to so many adoptive moms who are like, look, I've actually asked a mom before, like, hey, tell me the truth. No kids were around. I'm like, do you feel a difference between the biological child you have and your adopted child? I'm genuinely curious. Like, I want to know. This is someone who would shoot it to me straight. And that person said there's almost like more of this like draw because I look at this child and I'm like, there is nothing you have done to make me want to love you other than the fact that you are mine. And the beautiful picture that paints of how God views us as his children too, like it is deep in my faith and my understanding of the gospel to know that like this child has no ties to me other than they are now given to me on the day they were born. And the birth certificate says I am their mom and dad and the love and connection we have. All that to say, it has given me a vision of God gave me the gift to parent these two children. More if that happens, it is up to me to steward them. But it helps me see that picture of like they were given to me as this gift to steward well throughout their lifetime. And there's so many things with that. The perks of the love and the connection and the memories and the experiences and all of that. But ultimately, they belong to Jesus, to God. Like that's any child. But I think with biological children, sometimes it can maybe be easier to be like, no, they're mine. Mm -hmm. And I would say that about my adopted children too. They are mine, but they're God's. And so I remember like praying through that when I was holding Emerson one time when she was a newborn and just like thanking God for that perspective of, yeah, whatever she's like, she might not have a bit of my personality. She might not be anything like me, Spoiler alert, she is like a mini me. If you want to talk about nurture and nature, she is my husband and I. I mean, Christian knows her very well. Like it is like she's the best. She literally like has mannerisms that are just like me. And she also has a lot from her birth mom, too, that I'll see come out. But all that to say, I was able to have that perspective and I'm Mm -hmm. grateful for it. Yeah. I mean, this is a cliche thing to say, but as we have this conversation, we all know that like God is the perfect parent, that if you think about how we are parented by him, I think it's a really awesome example of then obviously how we can parent out of an outpouring of our understanding of the character of who we were created by. And I think it's an amazing perspective that you have had. And you and I have had this conversation a lot. I think It is a life changing perspective when you realize and you understand as parenting. And obviously, like, I'm sure we'll go through years and understand this even more so. Again, five years in here. But it is so cool to recognize, like, well, I love you so much, speaking to my child, but like, God created them, that like he has a plan and he has a purpose. And I get to be a part of the purpose that he has for my child, that what he has dreamt up about this child is way better than anything I could imagine. You know, we tell our kids often, we say like, mommy and daddy love you a lot. And we'll say, and who loves you even more? And they say, Jesus, because I'm like, hey, he loves you so much more. I want to remind you that like mom and dad are going to fail you. But like Jesus and God will like never fail you, Mm -hmm. that he will always be there for you. And so it's these things that like as a parent, it is our job to help our kids recognize that, that we are stewards of parenting them, but we're going to do that poorly and we're going to make mistakes. And so I think as Christians, as we walk out what this parenting calling looks like, it's easy to fall into the trap of like, we can control all, we can be all. And for sure, certainly we are called to steward and we are commissioned, like you said in the Bible, specifically to do that very well and with intention and with thought. And it is our greatest calling if you are a parent, but I think we can easily skew that into thinking, well, this is all on me, that if something goes wrong, it was my fault. What did I do 
how can I do that differently to get a different result? Which, again, all valid thoughts. And also, like, there are parents who are horrible parents. Yes. And don't. And we like, we have to <laughs> yeah. say that, too. Like, some of you are listening and you're like, yeah, well, my parent did mess me up. And, like, there is trauma and there are parents who cannot. I mean, I'm literally part of a situation where it's like, if all was right in the world and there wasn't sin, my children would be with their birth families and I would have biological babies, but there's sin. And I just think that's important to caveat too, that like, there are parents who do cause harm and cause pain and hurt. And like, that's to be noted too. We're speaking to the general sense of like, if you're listening to this, if you care about parenting, like, I'm not trying to say like you can't screw them up, but most of you listening like aren't going to screw up your child, whether you let them have two hours of screen time a week or 10. Like it's not going to either make or break who they are as a child of God is kind of our point in that. Yes. Well, and it's even funny as you and I have this conversation because you and I do have similar parenting styles. styles. Yeah. So I do say I'm like, personality plays a lot into it, this. For sure. Your spouse's personality plays a lot your into job this. Situation. Your job situation. Your lifestyle. Yeah. Like all these things play a lot into the makeup of your family and the makeup of how you are going to choose to parent. And so we say all this again, not to say like, hey, we have it all figured out and you need to do it exactly like us. But I think first and foremost, a lot of our problems or a lot of our concerns or anxieties or pressures that we feel as parents, especially Christian parents, would probably go away if we really actually like humbly before God said like, hey, prepare me, like give me the strength, give me the wisdom, give me the knowledge, give me the ability, the energy, the stigma, the time to like parent this child well, because this is a gift from you. And I think we fail to often do that. Even like you said, I mean, it's not like we're waking up every day like, Lord, thank you so much no. for these gifts. Let me steward them all. I'm like, what do you want for breakfast? Oatmeal, cereal, or toast? You want to hear the way I yelled at my kindergartner in the car the other day? And then she was like, I don't like when we fight, mommy. Like, it's so sad. I mean, and all that to say, too, like I say the beauty of the side of adoption, there's a lot of painful parts in parenting adopted kids. And I already sometimes will get overwhelmed thinking through all the conversations that we'll have to have. And I'm like, okay, counseling for my child that's going to have to process this trauma that like they had nothing to do with. It was happened at birth. It's like there's so much hard too. So we're not downplaying the hard. I mean, parenting is the hardest thing we will ever do. And you and I are so similar in our parenting style, but how that looks is really practically different too, because I stay home full time and you work full time. Like there's differences in that. There's differences in our husband's flexibility and the way we have help. And so that's also good to kind of like launch us into this conversation. Just it's so launch. loaded. Yes. It's so loaded. But I want to kind of, we don't have to sit in this forever. But I was thinking back to how we were parented as 90s kids. And there is this generational shift. I mean, we hear our parents talk about like in the 80s, riding your bikes around your neighborhoods. There was just this like more carefree type of living. I was reading one reference and I'm sorry, I like don't remember exactly where I read it, but it was talking about how there's been this shift in culture that when someone, like if a kid threw a baseball through a window, let's just use that example. Like, does that ever actually happen? Like what kid now is out in the street playing baseball and breaking someone's window? Okay. But like, if that happened, it was like the parents would say like, oh, this is your fault and you'll figure out a way to fix it. And like, we will guide you maybe to how to do that. Like you need to go talk to the people who own the house and like, ask how much it's going to cost and you're going to work and replace it, whatever. Or like at school, if a child got in trouble at school, the parents would be like, yeah, you're responsible for the way that you got in trouble. But nowadays, even if you say, no, I wouldn't do that, think about it. We take the responsibility if a child gets in trouble at school or if a child did that, it becomes our problem to fix. Mm -hmm. And like part of that is like, yeah, because we're the parent. Of course it is. But really think about that. Like we now take on so much responsibility of our child's like emotions, of their physical needs, like so much of that. Yes, there's a practical sense of it. There's so many caveats to this. But you know what I'm saying? Like there's been this generational shift that it like becomes our problem. Like maybe we're embarrassed. Maybe we feel the need to be like, oh my gosh, like I didn't teach you. I don't know how to wrap yeah. that up. But there's just been the shift of like we are now more in this role of feeling like we can control and teach like every aspect a child should know about life in the sense of like, this emotional parenting. Like we need to make sure. And part of that too, I think came out of how we were brought up and raised in a way of like, you didn't get a lot of say in things or discipline was very much one-sided of, hey, this is how it's going to be done and you don't have a right to question that. And so now the pendulum has swung the other way where it's almost this 
over-coddling of this nurturing of the emotional needs of a child. And we forget that there's a lot to be learned from mistakes. There's a lot to be learned from letting our children fail, a lot to be learned from letting our children experience natural consequences in the world where now we're so like, we have to protect you and like you can't feel any hurt or hardness in life. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, we talk here a lot about just like this pendulum of like these extremes and how do we kind of sit in the middle? Because that's often what the Bible really kind of calls us to like sitting in this tension. We talked several weeks ago about that with Jada Edwards. And I think that's really true because I think how I would describe our culture now in parenting, even just like a cultural Christian, someone who's like, no, I follow Jesus. What is my goal in parenting? I think we'd all partly kind of say, well, I want my kids to be happy. I want them to be safe. I want them to be protected. I don't want any harm to come to them. I want to ease that life. I want to make things simple and easy for them. I think in reality, like Truly, we all kind of feel that some. I mean, oh, I think you would be crazy to not say that. Like, I say that full heartedly. I want my child to be safe. I want to protect them. I have said recently, and I believe this to an extent, the world is already a hard enough place, especially right now with what they have access to. I'm like, it is my job in a way to shield them until it's time for them to understand some of that. Yes. So then, like, how do we take that? Because again, that is a part of, again, so many caveats in this conversation. But how do we take that pressure? And the reality is of, yes, that is our job to also saying like, but it is okay to walk through hard things. It's okay to experience hardship. It's okay to feel just the brokenness of the world or the brokenness of people or be hurt by people because that's a reality of living in a society of brokenness. And I think that's a really hard thing that we often want to avoid in parenting. But really, when you look at the Bible, there's plenty of examples of like, no, we actually don't get a work around that. What we're promised and told is like, we get to do that with God. We get to do that with his presence. And so we can walk through that hardship. And so how do we explain that or teach that to children in young minds? Right. I was thinking too, going back really quick to that like 80s, 90s parenting into now, I think what happened was we all grew up as adults who really didn't have very good emotional intelligence, who we have a generation of parents who would say counseling is crazy or like it's not needed. And we as humans don't really know how to process emotions, I think, in our generation super well. We are now learning. And so then what has happened going back to that pendulum is like we are so afraid that our children aren't going to know how to process their emotions properly because really our parents didn't teach us that super well. I think my childhood of going through childhood cancer helped me grow in that a little bit because I was forced to face like adult problems of like friends around me dying, me being faced with cancer, me going through like physical pain and hurt. So I was like forced to process that. But I do think that that's what happened a little bit. And so now we're so worried that our children aren't going to know how to say like, I'm happy, I'm sad or like deal with those emotions. And you're so right. Like it's not if our children go out into the world and have hard times, it's like when they do, our goal should also be that when they leave our homes, that they are prepared for this world. And how are they going to be prepared for hard things if we don't let them experience any of that while they're under our roof? Mm-hmm. And easier said than done. Easier because said like, than I done. even think about the few situations that we have had so far, just really hard things like with my five-year-old son and three-year-old, but I'm thinking more specifically of a few situations with our son. And I'm like, it breaks my heart. It makes me really sad when they feel broken or they feel left out or hurt or alone or they're struggling in the area. I mean, it is heartbreaking. And so please also, we're not saying this privy to the things that may be just happening in life. These are true and real things. So like, what are we called to as parents? I think one of the best resources that I have ever heard was Paul Tripp has a lot of awesome parenting stuff. And if you ever read any of his stuff, it's really good. But one of his definitions of like, what is our role as a parent is that we are to showcase our awe of Christ to our children. And what he means by that is like his definition of a family is like a theological community where kids learn and see from their parents how to be in awe of God. And he describes this in what our job is, is to really showcase to our kids how in awe and how bowed down we are to our creator. And this looks like teaching them about creation. And this looks like people. And this looks like our bodies. And this looks like our life. And so different aspects that we can pull Christ into, because that is ultimately our role to say, hey, we love you as our child, but you know what? We love God even more because he has gifted us all of these things. So as a family, let's learn and grow about him together 
And that really helped me and my husband just really kind of settle on this idea of, okay, this is our role as a parent. Our role as a parent is to showcase the character of God to our kids. Again, easier said than done for sure. But I'm like, okay, how am I teaching my kid that we serve a loving God? So I want to be loving to you and other people. Mm -hmm. We serve a God who is patient. And so how do I showcase patience to my kid while also showing patience to someone who is really frustrating to mommy? You know, like all of these things, again, it kind of goes back to the conversation we've had multiple times that I think as parents, we often lack the ability to actually share how Jesus transforms our thought and our actions in things that we just want to tell our kids a lot of things. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at a little bit. We're like, we grew up in maybe a culture and a society where we were just told a lot. We weren't really explained to like why. And so now we're coming into parenting saying like, well, we really need to understand the why. Like, I don't understand that. It's not like I'm trying to be disobedient. I'm not trying to like question authority. I'm just like, can you explain the why to me? And so I think you and I feel that pressure a lot now as parents of saying, hey, we don't want our kids just to know God and come to church because that's what we do as a family. We want them to like intimately know them because we think it's worth knowing them. Yeah. And, you know, I don't have the statistics, but there are a lot out right now of children who were raised in Christian homes and raised in the faith who have now left their faith. And I think we were definitely raised in the family devotion time phase of Christianity. And like, let's all gather around and like, let's read this scripture. And I grew up at church every Sunday, every Wednesday night for different like activities. Every Sunday night, we would go back for like youth activities, like where church was just a part of the culture. And it unfortunately, even though I think there was so much realness in the faith and the people that were around me, for me, for a long time, it was just like what we did and it hadn't transformed my heart. And I think I wanted to read in Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go, even when he's old, he will not depart from it. And that's hard because it's like, wait, but I did all the right things. I trained them up. And it's like, that's where we go back to that original part. We really ultimately don't have control. But in Proverbs, this is teaching. This is wisdom saying like, you should train them up. And we sometimes get like, okay, then that means I need to make sure they know the Ten Commandments and can recite all of this. And for me in my life, that really clouded how I knew God from a personal intimate level. And so that is kind of in my parenting, there's nothing wrong if you like want to do a family devotional or whatever that looks like for you, but also making sure that our children see that in the way, like you're saying, Christian, we respond to them in hard times and angry times. The way my daughter sees me every morning on my couch when she comes down the stairs reading my Bible, I've heard her tell people, my mommy reads her Bible. And like, I'm not saying that in a way to toot my horn, but I'm also saying that in a way, whatever her faith, Like wherever it is when she's 18 years old or in college, I would love for her to know, oh, regardless of what I believe or don't believe about what my parents have taught me or showed me, I do know it was real for my mom. Whatever that was for her, she wanted to meet with Jesus every day and there might be something to that. And then I saw that displayed in their life, hopefully, with a lot of mess and mistakes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just the start of like the biblical parenting roles. There's so many things. We've mentioned this on the podcast before, but we read this book called The Great Dechurching, and it had a ton of statistics of people who had grown up in a Christian-based home, had attended church, and had done all of the quote-unquote right like Christian things to do, and now they are not going to church. They're not—maybe they're even deconstructing their faith in that situation now, and their biggest reason for not being interested in that or when they are asked, like, would you ever want to be a part of that again— They are wishy-washy on that answer because they said, like, I would really need to see they didn't quote this, but they would need to see some like fruit of the spirit in these people that they would need to see transformation in how people love people, how they're kind, how they're good, how they're patient. All of this fruit of the spirit, they said I lacked that in my home, that essentially my parents were hypocrites. And I think that's really convicting to us now because I think that is our role, because if we're going to be people who yeah, bring our kids to church on a Sunday because we know it's important and we do a Bible study at dinner once a week, that's great. But are we able to be patient with our kids when they're driving us nuts or are we able to be kind or are to we our able? spouse even? Yeah. Like, do they and see so, that in our marriages? Yes. And so I think that's a convicting part of like, if my job is to display Christ to my kids, then what does that look like every day, day in and day out? Again, not perfect. Oh my gosh. But so what messy. does it look like to display those qualities and characteristics of God to our kids? Yeah. It's so hard. hard. It's so hard. I want to jump in a little bit to discipline just to get more practical because here's the thing. We are not 
experts in this. Again, five-year-olds. I will say our parenting experience with our individual oldest children have been different. Like I have a child who has really pushed boundaries, who had a few years that was very difficult, very difficult with we had a fit thrower. I feel like you either have a fit thrower or you don't. Fit thrower parents will know. Like you just know. And there would be these like long drug out, 45 minute long throwing things, hitting. I mean, that will drain you physically. I mean, it's very hard to hold it together when you are dealing with that. And so we've both done like parenting classes and learn different styles of discipline. And oh my gosh, there's so much out there right now for us to consume. Going back to the beginning, how we were saying like, you can really fill your brain with all of this knowledge on what to do. And it's like conscious discipline or this or that. I wanted to read Ephesians 6, 4. The Bible is actually pretty explicit, I feel like, about money and about discipline and parenting. And we then can interpret that into a lot of different things. And that's okay. People have different opinions on certain things. But it's clear that we are to discipline our children. And I think culturally, we see a generation of children who are boundaryless and they lead the way in their homes. And I think what happened again is that we came from these families who maybe you didn't like that your parents were authoritarian and maybe you were always told because I said so and not an explanation of why. And so then what I think a lot of people do, first of all, the world is hard. Our lives are hard. We've kind of given up in a way of like creating these systems and structures. And so Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And then another version I wanted to read too says, this is an ESV that was NIV, I believe. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And exasperate or provoke kind of just means irritating or provoke to a higher degree. And so that really brings in like our patience and discipline. Like we are not to discipline out of our expression of anger. Like our kids make us angry. Never thought I was an angry person until I became a mom. And so we can't discipline out of anger, but we are to discipline with authority and with structure. And I just think that's lost a lot. Yeah. Going back to the pendulum, I think where we sit again, not saying it's wrong, but what we're trying to do in the series is really say like, what's the culture saying in this? What's the Bible say? And so how do we live that out? And I think it's pretty clear in the Bible that we are called to discipline our kids. And we will talk here in a minute about even just how God as a perfect parent disciplines us and calls us to obedience. But I think that gets really tricky and hard for Christian parents because they do maybe sit in this boat where maybe this is your story. Like my parents had no emotional intelligence. And so I was just told with authority what to do all the time. And it gave me no autonomy. I have no understanding of anything. I don't feel valued as a human. I lack a lot of worth or self-worth because I was never affirmed in anything or I was never thought like, hey, think on your own. I was just told, told, told. The amount of friends I have that say they never heard an outward expression of love from their parents, like they never heard, I love you. They're, they're like, well, I knew I was loved, but it's not something that was said in our yes. home. Like that's I common. Think that, yes. I think that's a real struggle and a real thing that again, in your story, God has kind of like orchestrated that for you. So that is going to play into your parenting now. But I think the extreme that we've fallen into now is that I can never discipline my child, that they rule the home, that my husband and I just kind of like do what they say. I don't want to tell I don't them want to no. tell them no. Yeah. I want to make them feel loved. I want them to feel cared for. And so therefore, I fear that if those children continue on that way and if those parents continue on that way, in 20 years, you're going to have a whole society that why would a relationship with God or Jesus look attractive? Because I think this is a big generalization. And so I'm not saying this is it for everyone, but I'm saying like, I think that's concerning because I think we have a role and a responsibility to share with our kids that like life has authority, that ultimately we fall under Jesus is in God's authority in how he decided that our life would flourish best. And if we're not willing to teach our kids that on a very minute level, because again, they're growing brains and minds, if we're not willing to share that, hey, God has given me authority as your parent, and so therefore I'm practicing my authority on you, and that is going to be a no on whatever you're asking. If we're not willing to practice that, I find it really hard to believe that that child is going to want to follow something right. that gives them guidelines that does tell them no in areas and I think we really have to be willing to say, like, is that actually teaching my child like the flourishing and best way to go? Right. I mean, we're commanded in scripture. There's so many verses I wrote them down and some of them we might just plug into our show notes, but we're commanded to discipline out of the way that God disciplines us, which is 
on the basis of love. And so, again, when we talk about like not disciplining out of anger, I think a lot of our parents, it was just like, this is what I say and you're going to do it because I said it. And I think the loving thing in that, I think there's times where when my daughter's running out into the street and I say, stop, there is not a practical chance for her to look at me and be like, what, why do I need to stop? Like sometimes there is just direct obedience that when mom or dad or whoever's in charge of you speaks, you need to listen. But then when there have been times, my daughter now, it's like we talk through a lot of things. We have to discuss a lot of things. There's a show recently she wanted to watch. We told her she couldn't. And she asked why. And I think I would have had parents who I love and are amazing. And we're just at our house this weekend. And it's crazy to see them as grandparents because everyone grows and changes. They would have looked at me and said, because I said you can't quit asking about it. But I was able to look at her and be like, okay, let me actually explain to you why. I understand. Like, that's not how God tells us. He doesn't just say, like, here's what to do. In a lot of things, he explains why. Why? Because I want good for you, not harm. Why? Because I know what's best for you and you don't. And you don't understand that when you would be saying yes to that, it would be leading down a path of destruction. And so for me to explain that to my daughter, hey, mommy loves you and cares about you. And there's certain things that you don't know about yet that I want to protect your mind from. And it would be damaging to you. And so they're worth that. They're worth our explanation. And so I have been really trying to have this like pretty firm standard of obedience and listening in our home mixed with that's okay for then you to question it at times and me to explain. There could be both, I Mm -hmm. think. I even just loved what you said there. Like, our kids are worth that explanation. Our kids are worth explaining to them this is why. And you know what? God says we're worth it. God gives us an entire book that says, hey, I want you to learn more about me and who I am as the constant, faithful, consistent, ever-loving, ever-knowing, ever-superior thing, being creator of all things. I want you to know me. So I'm going to give you this whole book of instructions to know me. So he calls us like that we're worth it. And so I think we have to recognize that we've talked a lot about discipline. We are only going to touch this subject so far because we get, we feel like there's so many caveats here. I was having a really interesting conversation with my sisters this summer about obedience. We all have kids ages like nine to babies. So we're all over the board and all of us kind of do things a little bit differently. But we were just talking about first time obedience. What are we called to in parenting our children with this we are called to obedience, that you are called to obedience, that I need to ask you to put your shoes on one time. And if you don't do it that one time, like what happens? And we were kind of just talking through this and we all had a lot of good thoughts to it. And it's actually kind of like just run my brain through a lot of different scenarios. My husband and I have talked about it a lot. I know that you guys have. And I think it's interesting and hard because I think in the Bible, you see times where the Israelites do not listen first time obedience to God. And he says, okay, I'm going to send you into exile. And they don't get a second chance. They don't get a, oh goodness, we want to change our minds. Oh goodness, this didn't go well. It reminds me of, yeah, Lot's wife who looked back the one second and was turned to a pillar of salt. Yeah. So, I mean, we see examples in the Bible where he says like, obedience isn't an option. Like I'm calling you to this because I have told you that I am good, that I want good for you, that I am sovereign, I'm in control and you are choosing not to obey me. And so here you are. Then we see examples of God in his goodness saying, hey, I expect obedience, but I'm going to give you another chance to do that because I get that you are a faulty human and My son, Jesus, also lived a life, and I know the temptation he went through. And so I want to give you grace and understanding. I want to, in my mercy, give you a second chance. And so then we get that. So then I think we're sitting here saying, like, where do you land then in parenting? Because obedience is what we're called to. And it's a really hard thing to decipher through. We were talking about this at lunch yesterday because you have heard me in my parenting say, like, first time listening, that's what we say. Like, first time listening, we need first time listening right now. And you challenged me in that of like, hey, I don't know if I agree with that because like there is this grace. And we were talking about it at lunch of like, yeah, this is how I thought through it. And I'll share that. And I actually in prep for this episode last night, researched a little bit more about that. And there are a lot of Christian teachers who speak on parenting who disagree with that and a lot who agree, like help flush it out. And I think where I've landed on on it is this. When I say that, it probably is just like a habitual thing that my husband and I say, you know, like we have these things, but it's good for me to evaluate, like, is that right or wrong? And when we're saying that to Emerson in our home, I say Emerson because my 16 month old right now, it's like, no, don't touch that. No, we're not talking about first time listening, but we say it as an encouragement of like, Hey, here's the standard we expect for you when we ask you to do something or when we tell you, 
to not do something that you listen the first time. In our home, when that is disobeyed, there isn't a consequence right away for that. But it's a reminder of, hey, we're asking you to listen first time. It's been now three or four times. And then that's kind of the warning of like one more time and there's going to be a consequence because now I've asked you and you already know the expectation is that you listen the first time. So in our family, it's not like the second they I have to ask them two or three times. I mean, I feel like all I do all day is repeat please do this, please do this, please do this. There's not a discipline usually for that first time of disobedience, but that's just the standard. And what I was explaining to you yesterday is thinking through like in scripture, God doesn't tell us when he commands things to say, hey, if you get around to listening to my commandments like the fifth or sixth time or like when it's convenient for you, I need you to listen. He says, no, this is what I'm commanding you. And the second we disobey, that's sin. And so I do think where there could be some issues with that in articles I was reading, this is what it was explaining, that if you're saying first time discipline in our home and the second you disobey, there's an immediate consequence. Like I, well, first of all, I would be, gosh, like, disciplining would be all down day and out long. all the time <laughs> or and what i was processing through a few months ago when we were talking about this in our personal lives do i want little children who are robots who just say yes ma'am yes sir and do everything i ask every split second or do i want children who feel freedom in our home who feel loved in our home who feel free to make mistakes and learn from them who don't have to worry that i'm going to be angry or disappointed when they spill water or don't go put their shoes on the first time i mean my daughter is so perfectionistic it's i think first child it's me she sees so much she's learned so much like wrong from me and the way that sometimes she will do something that is so like minute and just not important and come to me and say mommy please don't be mad at me. And it breaks my heart because I'm like, I'm not mad at you. I would never be mad at you. Thank you for telling me. I mean, she hit her brother the other day and she came and she was like, please don't be mad at me. I mean, I knew something was going on. He was like screaming. And I was like, you know what? Thank you for coming and apologizing. There's no consequence. Like, you know, not to hit your brother. You did it, but you immediately came to me and said, I'm sorry, I see remorse in you. You acted out of your humanness and like, I'm really proud of you for recognizing that it's over. Like, you don't have to carry the shame for that. We're not going to do a timeout right now. Like, you literally said sorry to him and came confess to me. And so there has to be both. And I've not done it perfectly. But on the flip side, like in our home, there has been trouble with the way that she functions and her brain when we do not command and demand obedience from her. It gets things really out of hand really quickly with the way that she then responds to that. Like she functions better with tight boundaries. It's like knowing your child too. So as Andrew and I have processed this, I mean, we've gone through a lot of different things in this area and we have two very different children. And like most parents, I feel like every kid is like just so different. And so as you learn about them, I think one of the things that's interesting about how God parents us and now then how we have chosen to like parent in our own home I think what's interesting is kind of like what we were talking about. If my kid runs into the street and a car smashes him, that's an immediate consequence to you not listening. If I have told you do not run into the street and you run, then there's going to be an immediate consequence. There are things in life that that is just the reality. There is no second chance. There is no second chance. There is no, oh, let's try that again. There is no, oh, grace. Well, let's backtrack and do that. No, like you've just got hit by a car. Yeah. So I think the reality of that is, is they have to recognize like, I am put in authority over you for your flourishing and your good, just as I have a God and I have an authority who also calls me to things that are hard and not fun and not what I want to do because for my good and for my flourishing. And so I think that's a really important thing to teach. And I think then how that looks is my husband and I say all the time, you know, we'll ask, has this been done? Or like, put your shoes on. Put your shoes on. Why is it the and putting of the shoes on? I, know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But I'm finally like, Graham, I have asked you three times. I'm not going to ask again. If we ask again, you're going to have a consequence because I want him to hear those words from me of, hey, mom has given you chances. And this is the you are going to get a consequence when this is done because I want him to know, hey, I get chances. I don't have to be a robot. I don't have to be someone who is like human. here and there. But I'm like, mommy's asking you and you're not obeying. And that's disrespecting mommy. And that makes mommy's heart sad. Yeah. And I think that's the reality of what you and I have talked about in this is that God doesn't like to see a struggle or flounder around in sin. That makes him very sad. And as Christians and as believers, we should all be sad about sin. And so I think the reality of when that's happening with my child is like you and I both have conversations with our kids that say like, that makes mommy's heart sad. That makes us 
not disappointed in you, but like that breaks my heart. I know that's not good for you. That's not going to go well for you. Because the reality of it is, is if you're 18 and you're speeding down the road and you always speed and you get a ticket, well, that is your consequence. Then like you do need to recognize like you probably got a lot of chances that you were speeding, but now this is the consequence that you get. And so I'm like, there are consequences to our actions and we're called to follow that out in our parenting. And so how do we do that with these young minds? It's hard. I mean, again, we don't have it all painted out, but I we do think it kind of has to be a both and an attention in that. Obviously, knowing your child and knowing how they work and how they process information. And all that you said, that's the beauty of, I think, why God created and did give us wisdom to, you know, we're talking about not over controlling and not like guarding them so much from the world, but doing that. On the other hand, doing that in that they have a safe home hopefully in an ideal world that's not perfect, that's not like free of mistakes, like I'm thinking of my husband and I, all the mistakes we've made, but hopefully they walk away, whether they're going to college or out into the world or whatever at 18, having had a space for 18 years to grow and make those mistakes where the consequences aren't life or death, where the consequences aren't life altering or life changing or hurting others. It's like they had the opportunity to learn and grow from that so that when they go out into the world, they're also not surprised when there's natural consequences in life. It's like, hey, I want my child to know like, oh, by the way, like I've heard of a parent and we can wrap up too. You would call and be like, I forgot my jersey for my game tonight or I forgot my homework like will you bring it to me to a certain extent saying like okay yeah maybe I know of a mom who gives them like three a year of the like I forgot my lunch I forgot my jersey forgot the homework where of course mistakes happen like I'm sorry that will be hard for me to not be like of course I'll run that up to the school well, because for you. the Are next you time you make a mistake you're like do I not get any grace or understanding right, when I make a mistake right. but yeah. maybe if that was a pattern in your child's life like this is again where you have to intimately know be connected with your child in the daily habits of their life if that's a pattern maybe one day I could see myself doing this where they call and I'm like hey I have brought you your homework the last six times you forgot it this is a consequence last night I asked you to make sure everything was in your backpack ready for school you forgot it I'm gonna have to make you take that 10% off or whatever. And that would probably be a good lesson. That's like where sometimes we have to let our kids fail. And I'm thankful my parents had that for me too. Like there was always love and like could run back into their arms of that. But then they also like let me fall a little bit. It was so important. I think that creates a healthy adult. Yeah. And as we wrap up here, as I was brainstorming and thinking through so what does like parenting in this gospel lens kind of look like? And I just literally jotted out like, what does the gospel do to our parenting? And really quickly just wrote down, it helps us release control that we can understand that like God is the one doing the work that he has called us to, to be a part of, but like he is ultimately doing the work. It helps us forgive that we can forgive ourselves for doing wrong things and we can forgive our children because of the gospel. And we can apologize too. I meant to yes. talk about that. Uh, yes. Yeah. Apologizing um, is huge. That the gospel helps us teach that we don't have to like demand or become bitter or speak down or not give worth to our children, that we can actually teach them because like we have a God who values and teaches us that we can give grace because obviously we all get a lot of grace. And then it helps us be humble that I mean, I thought marriage was humbling and then I became a parent. I'm like, oh, yeah. shoot, this yeah. is really humbling. It's very refining. That as a parent, that we get to be humbled into our rightful place under our authority and our Heavenly Father. And we get to then share that humility and love to our children. And so I just thought, wow, all of these awesome things that the gospel helps us do in our parenting and what an awesome gift we have. In and that. it helps bring us closer to Jesus because when I'm out of patience or when I'm struggling with anger and I can remember to stop and ask God to help me, that unites me with him in a way that I think he calls us to. And it's beautiful when I submit to that versus trying to figure it out on my own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this felt like a big one, but yes, here I we feel are, like we guys. could have kept talking for another hour. I That's know. scary. So we if you have. hate what we said... We'd love to hear Move your on. Oh. <laughs> Don't tell us. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.